from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Rod Milam. Joining us today is Dr. Colleen McNicholas, Chief Medical Officer of Planned Parenthood of St. Louis and of Southwest Missouri, which also includes part of Southern Illinois. Dr. McNicholas, thank you for joining us today on St. Louis on the Air. Happy to be here. So you work at Planned Parenthood in both the Missouri and on the Illinois sides of the Mississippi River. First, let's talk about the Missouri side. How quickly did the Dobbs decision actually impact things in the state of Missouri? Well, as expected, um, as soon as the decision was dropped from the Supreme Court, we also uh, received word that the attorney general had invoked and implemented our trigger ban. And so truly, Missourians went from having access to abortion to losing that access with, within minutes of the decision being dropped. And what did that actual ban do in the state of Missouri? So our trigger ban uh, prevents pregnancy termination or abortion for all indications except in the case of medical emergency. But as you know, and we've been seeing in the in the weeks since the the decision has dropped, this has caused incredible chaos in the medical community where physicians are wondering how sick is sick enough before they can provide abortion care in the state of Missouri when faced with the very real possibility of criminal penalties. So, again, you describe this as mass chaos. It's going on not just in clinics like uh, Planned Parenthood, but in hospitals with related procedures. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? Because some medical professionals aren't prescribing certain medicines or actually taking care of different diseases that might potentially cause uh, a pregnancy to be terminated. That's exactly right. We're seeing a mass ripple effect, not just in pregnancy care, but also in care outside of pregnancy. We know that some of the medications that we can sometimes use to treat pregnancy complications or abortion, medications like methotrexate, for example, are cornerstones of treatment therapies for people, for example, who have lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, and even sometimes folks who have cancers. We have been hearing from people across the state and really across the country that not only are our pregnancy outcomes being um, impacted, but also access to basic medication care from pharmacies for non-pregnancy related uh, medical conditions is being impacted. And, you know, as predictable as as this could have been, um, this is one of the real, I think, uh, important demonstrations of how when legislators make laws void of medical expertise, there are far reaching consequences um, that now we as a community um, need to manage. Now, how do you see Planned Parenthood in the districts that you look over actually managing it? And let's specifically, again, talk about Missouri. How are you dealing with it in the, in the weeks after this decision? Well, abortion is illegal in Missouri, except in very narrow circumstances. So the truth is, though, Missouri has long restricted abortion so severely that even before this decision, Missourians were already fleeing the state for this basic care. And so we're going to continue what we've been doing for Missourians. We're going to continue to show up for them and make sure that they have the information they need and know where they can get that care, whether that's with us in Fairview Heights, Illinois, or in Kansas on the other side of of the state. You know, there are many places like Missouri who have been navigating this post-row reality for years. Uh, The difference though, is that now we're managing that for so many states. 
you know, up to 26 states representing nearly 36 million people are poised to lose access to this care. And that mass mobilization of of people for basic care is something that the infrastructure in this country is not going to be able to withstand. Now, doctor, you last addressed Congress about the state of the abortion issue in Missouri in 2019. Was there anything that felt any different about the testimony that you gave this time in front of the Senate as opposed to the House um, this time around? You know, this was sort of one of the worst I told you so moments of, of my career, right? So in 2019 um, and, and in the years before that, we have been warning both our allies and those who are opposed to abortion access and basic health care that this moment was coming and that there will be significant repercussions. And so as I sat there today, you know, the theoretical became real. Um, and I got to share some stories about how patients are already being impacted You know, we won't know the full impact of the public health crisis um, that is evolving for even years. Um, But it is certain that we will see increases in maternal mortality and morbidity across the country. Can you give an example of one of the stories that you uh, that you may have told during the testimony on the Hill today? Well, I can tell you that, you know, one of the one of the most um, profound stories that I can think of from the last couple of weeks is a woman who expressed that her time with us, her abortion care, was one of the only breaks that she's gotten in life in the last few years. She had somewhere to stay and a shower and food and health care. And she felt like we treated her as a human. And what a shame that now it is up to abortion providers and advocates to fill that gap for Americans, that we are the place where they feel dignified and whole in seeking health care. Now, one of the people that was in the hearing with you, at least in her opening statement, would say that, uh, who, was, who was for the Dobbs decision, would say that they were doing that all along, whether the woman decided to uh, proceed with an abortive uh, procedure or not. What is your answer to that for them? Because they said that they were providing holistic care Um, even before this Dobbs decision came down? You know, I'm all for expanded access to care and and care where people can get it. However, there is a real important distinction between the care, in quotation, that uh, crisis pregnancy centers provide and and that of what we provide. There is no true, real health care that is coercive. And so if the underpinning of the care that you're providing to people requires that they... um, that they not (laughs) consider all of their options and that they are subject to specific religious uh, messages, for example, then I would argue that that's not actually fundamental, equitable health care. Furthermore, this person also talked about one particular intervention that they offer, which is abortion reversal. We actually have great data to say that that's not real medicine. And in fact, when people intervene in that process and try and reverse the medication abortion, they actually cause harm. And so if, in fact, there are places, and there truly are pregnancy resource centers across the country that do great work, there are places like um, All Options, for example, in Ohio, that provide comprehensive education and access to both abortion and pregnancy care. Those are the places that we need to expand, um, not folks who are going to pin their their care, the provision of their care and their charity to a particular religious affiliation. Now, let's talk a little bit as well about the Illinois side of the river, since that is part of your territory. And you talked to the Senate committee today that 
uh, or you talked about how appointments on the Illinois side of the river that you have seen have tripled since the decision the decision came down just a little bit around three weeks ago. What's the impact of that? Uh, the the increased booking and the demand on the Illinois side of the river that you've seen. We have absolutely seen an increase in the in the demand um, to access care with us in Southern Illinois. You know, before the decision, our wait time was on average about three to four days, and we are now looking at upwards of three weeks before we can get patients in. And that's with adding extra slots to the days. Um, you know, we're facing a, a operational decision here shortly. You know, when are we going to go to 10-hour days or 12-hour days or even move to seven days a week? Um, we are committed to providing care to everybody who needs it. And abortion is a time-sensitive service. And so we will be looking at operational changes that we can make to meet that care. But the reality is, is with tens of thousands of people needing to seek care now in far fewer places, there will be delays in care, which will lead to preventable harm. And how far away are people coming from? Are you talking about women that are coming from uh, just the Missouri side of the river? Absolutely not. We have seen folks from uh, as far as thousands of miles away. We are seeing folks from Texas and Mississippi, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee. I have seen more patients from Mississippi in one day than I had in my entire 15-year career. And it really is a shame that in this country where we purport to be leaders in public health um, amongst the world, that we have people navigating which bill goes unpaid and who can watch their kids and which car do I have that's going to make it the, the furthest or scouring the Internet for the cheapest flight just to access basic health care. Now, some of the Republican members of the panel that you sat in front of today are saying that the decision uh, with Dobbs is really being overstated by advocates of the previous uh, Supreme Court decision like yourself. Um, your medical practices spans multiple states, and you're really seeing both sides of the effect of this decision. Um, do you think the Republican members of the committee actually have a point in bringing that up? Because what the decision says is that it's up to the states and you're straddling two different states where uh, where the effect is quite different. You know, I think the reality is, is it doesn't shouldn't go back to the states. It should go back to healthcare. This is a basic healthcare decision. And so and it's one that Republicans and independents and Democrats access. It's one that younger people access. It's one that older people access. It's one that people across all sociodemographics access. And the truth is that support for abortion hasn't changed over time. And that's true for Missourians and for those who live in Illinois. And so what we're focused on now is making sure that we are are managing this public health crisis in a way, in the best way that we can. Whether you live in Missouri or Illinois or Texas, you deserve access to every available health care option um, to live your most healthy and dignified life. Now, clearly you went to Congress to give uh, the position of Planned Parenthood where you are in charge. What action do you actually hope that Congress will take in order to, uh, to further the goals of Planned Parenthood? Well, it really isn't even the goals of Planned Parenthood. It is really, truly the goals of public health and, and the goals of the medical community. And quite honestly, it is, um, you know, it should be the goal of, of our entire country to further um, the human right to control what happens to your own body. So what can Congress do? Well, Congress can work very intentionally with critical access states to make sure that they have 
the resources they need to protect that access, to absorb the tens of thousands of people who are going to be coming from across the states. They can work with the administration and the FDA to ensure that every single medication that is FDA approved that has gone through the rigorous process of medical research is available to everybody regardless of where they live. And they can make sure that providers of abortion care and obstetric care more broadly, as well as people who are seeking abortion, are not criminalized for providing this basic human right and health care. And is there anything at all that uh, gives you any hope about the way that uh, people who are seeking this care um, are going to be able to go forward, uh, given the decision that has come down from the Supreme Court? Well, I think there is a short-term crisis, but there's also a long-term strategy. And I do have hope that the long-term strategy and our way back to equitable access to abortion care, when folks need it, where they are, and covered by their insurance, is a path that we can actually forge, where access to abortion is seen as truly just a health care issue and not a political football, and where, you know, where we do prioritize the health of people who are pregnant um, in all of the ways that uh, intersecting realities of their life um, meet their need for abortion. But given the way that some of the GOP senators um, question you today, what do you think uh, the future of that realistically is given uh, the state of their questions? Uh, because many of those questions were quite pointed and seem to almost dismiss uh, people who are on your side of uh, this issue. Well, the, GO- the GOP's position um, on abortion has always been dismissive of medical reality and people's um, deserved right to bodily autonomy. That hasn't changed today. But I do think that uh, that soon they will learn that they are out of step with most Americans um, and that most Americans do want and will demand access to all of their reproductive health care, including abortion. Dr. McNicholas, is there anything else you wanted to add today that I did not ask? Yeah, I I will say that, you know, this is truly a public health crisis that demands a whole of government response and a whole of medicine response. We have seen in the last week that more than 75 professional medical associations have signed on to a statement detesting this decision and detesting the involvement of legislators in the practice of medicine. And we're talking about folks beyond OBGYNs. We're talking about anesthesia and oncology, rheumatology, um, psychiatry, pediatrics. It is a moment that deserves the attention of all of medicine, all of public health, and all of our government to correct. Now, why do you think it, it deserves that broad of actual attention just beyond the OBGYN uh, sort of doctor community? Well, I think a couple of things. First and foremost, abortion and access and ability to have agency and autonomy of your body is a human right. Um, So first and foremost, I think we are now uh, joining countries who are routinely violating the human rights of, of the folks who live in that country. And the second thing is that, you know, this invasion into the OBGYN exam room is a slippery slope, and we've already seen it. They practice this strategy with abortion, but we have now seen it implemented, for example, in the management of a pandemic where legislators are prioritizing ideology and re-election and campaign fundraising over what the experts in healthcare have have to say, what the research tells us, and what our lived experience on the ground with people shows us. Dr. Colleen McNicholas, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much.
St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.